You're listening to teaching from the Word of God, provided by Black Forest Chapel. This is the church where you will find biblical teaching and authentic worship with family and friends. We are located in Black Forest near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs, Colorado. We invite you to join us this Sunday. Find our location, worship times, and more at blackforestchapel.org. Thank you, youth band. Can we thank the youth this morning for leading us in worship? You notice we're all wearing matching uniforms this morning. I actually, I knew that they were doing that. I didn't even think about it. I just, this is all I own is plaid, so it happened to work out pretty well for all of us. Well, good morning, church, and welcome. Glad you're here with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 15. We're going to continue on in our series in the book of Exodus and look at the song of Moses this morning. I'm going to read our text and then we'll pray. Uh, So if you want to read along with me. Remember, this was right after uh, the big event, the crossing of the Red Sea, crossing from death to life. God provided dry ground for his people to escape uh, the Egyptians, Pharaoh and his whole army. Not only did God save his people, he also judged his enemies. And we've been talking about that. And so this great salvation was just provided. It had been a long time coming. It was meeting the deepest need, the, 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 the greatest desire, the heart's cry of the Israelites for over 400 years of bitter slavery. And so this finally, the salvation has finally come to them. And so this is the response. Chapter 15, we're going to look at 1, verses 21, 1 through 21. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk into the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are as still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your presence always in our life, that you love us with a steadfast, unending love. Thank you, Lord, for your great salvation. Thank you that you saved your people Israel, and as a foreshadow to the work of Christ on the cross, 
You have saved us, those who believe in Jesus, those who have put our faith in Christ and in his blood. We are redeemed. We are purchased. We now belong to you. We are daughters and sons of the Most High King. We are a family in this room who belong to you. It's amazing. We thank you, Father, for that. Thank you that we can celebrate that together as we sing, as we lift our voices to you, as we exalt you, as we worship you, as we praise your name, Father. That's why we're here this morning. Help us, Father, not to become a people of obligation, of routine, of ritual that loses the heart behind worship, Father. Help us to remember our great salvation and to respond appropriately, Lord, with singing, with praise, speaking your name to the world. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would uh, help me to be clear, Father, as I teach your word this morning, help our hearts to receive and to ultimately obey and apply it in our lives. We thank you. We give glory to you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a, a great passage. It's fitting for us as we near Christmas in just four days, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, the, the object of our affection, the, the means of our salvation. And, and how do we celebrate? Oftentimes we sing, right? The Christmas season is filled with singing. And maybe it's because there's nostalgia there, there's tradition, people like to sing who have good voices, people who don't like to sing because they don't have good voices, they sing privately in their car or somewhere else in the house or they go to the back of the room like me so I don't interrupt everyone else's beautiful voices. Right? But ultimately, there's, some, there's a song that, that rises up right? because we're celebrating what Christ has done. We're celebrating the, the incarnation of Jesus, the Emmanuel God with us. And so we see this amazing song rising out of the people of Israel. And so today's title is just Salvation Song. And really, you can even say salvation demands a song. Salvation demands a song. The the proper response to our salvation is to praise God, is to lift our voices. We should do something in response to this great salvation that he's provided. You know, the Christmas is coming, and in four days, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service here. Uh, so it'll be 5 p.m., so please, please, we welcome you to come and bring your neighbors and friends. And um, if there's anyone out there who's kind of alone right now due to COVID and just feeling kind of down, they can't go visit family, please, please invite them to come on Thursday evening, 5 p.m. We'd, we'd love to have them here. But one of the things we'll do is we'll sing, and we'll, we'll praise the Lord, and we'll have a time of the Word and have some fellowship, and we're just thankful we can do that. And but then we go back to our homes, right? And some of us open gifts and exchange gifts Christmas Eve. Some of us do that Christmas morning. Um, <clears throat> the gift exchange is always interesting. You, especially for children, adults, we've learned how to filter our responses to good and bad gifts, right? We, we know how to do that. You still, you still can tell. Um, now, if you're opening gifts over Zoom with family, you can kind of glitch it in and out or turn your head or something. You can hide a little better. But if you're in person and you get something that's like, eh, that's not even close to being me. That's, I don't like sweaters. I don't like pink. I don't like that. Like, I don't like any of these things. Um, so you have a tough time. But kids, they don't filter those things. They just let you know what they think, right? So if they open a gift and they're excited and their eyes are wide and they're jacked up on candy and whatever else is around the house and they're... Opening their gift, and if it's if it's clothes, if it's socks or slippers or a shirt, something practical that they need, that's a good time for us to get it for them. And um, they they don't even really open the whole gift, right? They see what it is, or they and they just kind of move it aside. Let's get to the real stuff, right? And they move it aside. They don't really hide their disdain for those gifts. They just, but if it's something they love. They can't, they, they, they just, what do they do? They start jumping up and down. They start yelling. They're, they're celebrating. They're praising. They're thank, I don't know if they're thankful, but they're just jumping up and down, right? They're really, really excited about what they got. And they express it with their whole body, their whole self, with their voices, with everything. And they open it all the way up and now they want to play with it. And you can't do it right now because you need to hire the engineer that packaged it to actually open it for you because there's like billions of things all, right? And then you don't have the right batteries and all that stuff. But you, you see the excitement. It just, it just comes out of them naturally, right? They're so thankful for this gift. They don't have to filter it. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to say, oh, I'm supposed to be excited. When it's something that they love, that they, not necessarily that they needed, they really desired, they really wanted. <clears throat> it's an overflow of their heart, right? That's a good thing. What is, what's our response to God's salvation through Christ? What's our response to the gift of his son as we celebrate Christmas? Have you thought about that? Has there been any 
any type of just spontaneous praise when you think about the fact that you were brought from darkness into light, from death to life. We celebrated three baptisms last week. What an amazing celebration. What an amazing time. It's my favorite thing to celebrate the, the confession of faith of three young people who, who intentionally and, and publicly confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and has a church to come around them and to help them to grow is just a privilege. Have you thought about your salvation? Have you been in your Bible and been reading the Gospels, been reading anything? Because all, all of Scripture, whether the text is specifically about Jesus or not, it all points to him. This whole book is about salvation. And so as we read, we should be worshipful for what God has done. Look at what the Israelites did. This was, this was spontaneous. This was an, they, they watched their God do this amazing thing. Now, they've, they've been watching all the plagues. They've been watching what he's been doing as, as, they, as he ushers them out. But then they, they've come out into the desert, and, and they're ready to move forward, and God takes them to one more spot because he wants to gain glory over Pharaoh. And he puts them in this impossible situation. They have a sea on one side, and they have an army on the other that's really not happy with them, right? And, and there's, there's these choice chariots, these chosen officers, these special forces. They're all coming after them. And there's this great fear that encompasses. And what does God do? He, he makes a way when there is no way. He actually heaps up the water. He parts the sea. They walk across on dry ground, and their enemies are judged. Divine justice happens, and they are all killed. And they see this, this great salvation of the Lord. The less, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And what do they do? They believed. They believed. They watched this great power, this great God, this love for his people. And they believed. So what is their response? Singing to the Lord. Moses and the people of Israel sang the song to the Lord. Sometimes we just skip over that. There's a lot of people involved here, right? There's well over two million Israelites together praising singing to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a Christian conference, like a rather large one, or if you've been to a concert where the artist has a song that everyone can sing together, but um, it's powerful when a lot of God's people sing together when they raise their voices, right? Um, I don't know if any of you were part of the Promise Keepers movement. Anyone part of the Promise Keepers back in the 90s? If you guys, uh, if you remember that, so I was... Um, in college, and I was invited to um, go to one of these in Pittsburgh where I grew up. And um, so we were at Three River Stadium at the time, and um, they were stadiums all over the country, 50, 60, 70,000 plus men in, in one stadium. And there were speakers, obviously, but, you know, I don't really remember the speakers, and I don't really remember what they said. Obviously, it was good things, and I needed it for the moment, but I remember the singing. I remember that many voices in one place lifting up praises to God in the, in the heart of a city, was amazing to me. I still remember that. And I've, I've gone to a few Christian conferences since and 1,500, 2,000 pastors at a conference still indoors. It's very powerful when we all sing. And once again, I don't remember necessarily all the messages and who all the speakers were, but I remember the singing. There's something about it, right? I could be coming in to the conference and having a bad afternoon or just kind of feeling low or tired or Whatever, and I, could, and I could be trying to sing myself in the in the car, put on a nice hymn, and trying to lead myself into worship, which is a good thing. And sometimes we need to do that. But I get in this room, and this room fills up, and the band starts playing, and the so- the words are on the screen, and I don't even know the songs. Some of the songs are new, some of them I know. It doesn't matter. There's just there's a great encouragement. There's something about that, about singing the praises of the God that lifts us, and I don't think we do that enough. If you've uh, if you follow NFL football at all, you know that there's there's some stadiums that it's harder to play in than others. Why? Because of the crowd noise, right? Um, Seattle Seahawks. So they they've have they've uh, coined something called the twelfth man. If you guys know what that is, so they actually have jerseys and they have number twelve. So there's eleven players on the field, but the twelfth man on the team is the crowd because the noise impacts the game. So when they get loud, the other team's offense can't hear, they can't do their audibles. They, it's, it's, it's a challenge to play. They actually, I think they retired the jersey, number 12, for the 12th man, right? And so they, they get so loud that the stadium just shakes, and it impacts the game. And actually, their, their, their noise, the volume of, of their voices changes. It can actually change the game. And I just wonder... Why it is that a lot of God's people, we, we walk around with our heads down, somber, hands in our pocket. I know there's, there's time for, for mourning, and there's, there's certainly moments where we are discouraged, we are persecuted, we are beat down, we are tired, we need prayer. 
But there are times to rejoice and to sing and to praise the Lord. And if we are in our Bibles, if we are reading about God's great salvation, we are being reminded, as he reminds his people Israel, we are being reminded of what he has done, that only he could do that, that we have this incredible need that we can't fulfill ourselves. We are sinners in a fallen world. Our sin requires death. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ came and he, he paid the price for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. He was an atonement by his blood for our sins. He took all of our punishment on himself on the cross. He died. He was buried. He, he raised again on the third day. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us. And if we would believe in him by faith, we have salvation. We've been, we, we, were, we are delivered from bondage and into the freedom to walk with our Lord forever. This is a great, this is great news. This is good news, right? And yet many of us, we're just, it's good news. Good job, pastor. Thanks for reminding me, right? And we walk around very lackluster, very apathetic about this amazing salvation. I was sitting in my, my living room just thinking about this a little bit. And how often do I praise versus how often do I complain, right? How often do you praise versus complain versus kind of sulk? in discouragement. But I start thinking about salvation. I'm looking out the window. I'm seeing there's a lot of construction going on. I'm seeing construction workers, seeing neighbors. Um, I'm looking at my family. I'm looking at my house. And I've got all these amazing, God's given me amazing gifts. There, there are things I don't deserve, things I, he, he lavishes his gifts. Upon, and I just, I'm amazed at all those things. But the, I don't, those things, yeah, I need food and I need water. And God knows those things. But my greatest need was salvation because I'm only here for a short time. All this goes away. All of it. We're here for a very short period of time. All the stuff we do goes away. All the work that we do goes away. Just like we talked about the pages of, of these, of this story, as we turn the pages, the characters, they, they go away. They die. And the next page has a new character, but God is eternal. He's on every page. And so what is our response to our salvation? Is it to sit around? Yeah, I need to, man, Amazon's just so slow. I, I've only gotten like 20 gifts in the last two minutes. And I, I you know, where, 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 what are these guys doing? I should see more trucks out there, right? I want to make sure this gets here in time. And we start complaining and thinking about all these ridiculous things when, when our salvation is of utmost importance. And so when I start to think about it, I start to praise God for it. I'm so thankful. And everything else falls in place. My priorities change completely. And we're looking at these people singing and praising God for what he has done. What did God actually do? And this is why we need to read the word. If we read the word, we see what God has done, we remember, and we praise him for it. And that is pleasing to our Lord. Our grumbling, our complaining, our self-centeredness is not pleasing to him. And it's not helpful for us. It's very detrimental to us. I don't know if you've experienced this, but if you've had a day, one of those days, it's just the day that you wish would go away, or, or a year, we wish 2020 would just go away, right? But you've had one of those days, and, and nothing else has changed, but you finally relent and go back to God's word and say, I have not talked to you, Lord. I haven't prayed today. I haven't looked at your word. And maybe you pray a little prayer, and you think, yeah, that's, but you're just kind of complaining in your prayer, right? But you open God's word, and you read a psalm. Um, you, you read um, one of the epistles. You read a story about Jesus and how much he loves his people and what he did on the cross. You, you read something in the passages of, 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 of Scripture that leads you to understanding, to remembering again who God is and who you are and what he has done for you and who you are now as you belong to Christ. And you, you just have a moment where you're just, you're just thankful. And you can actually, in your prayer, say, thank you, Lord. And you still get to the thing you need, but that thing you need now is, is further down the list. And you're thankful, and your day has not changed. The things are still happening, but you have changed. Your perspective has changed. You can worship him now, no matter what comes. These are little moments in our life, but they're important. And if, you've never, if you never open your Bible in that moment, you never pray in that moment, your day is not going to get any better. You're not, you can't save yourself. You can't fix everything yourself. We are a distracted people. But God is calling us back to remember. And so let's look, let's look at the, there's six main things here that I wrote down that, that, uh, the Israelites and Moses are, are singing to the Lord about. And these are things that we can sing to the Lord about. We can actually spend time at our homes with our families as a body singing to the Lord, praising Him for who He is and what He has done. Because the things that the Lord does, the things that He, He accomplishes, they, they, they speak to His character. They reflect who He is. The first thing that we see here is that God saves, 
right? God saves, and this is what we've been talking about. What's the proper response to the gift of salvation? Look at what he has done. Let's look at the first part of chapter 15 here. They say, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He didn't just triumph. He didn't just, eh, good job, Lord. I mean, it, it was, you, you took care of it, but I probably would have done it this way, Father, right? No, this was, he triumphed gloriously. It required praise because of how he did things perfectly in his divine wisdom. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. There's an ownership there. There's a, there's a relational component taking place. This is my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. God fought for his people. Guess what? He fights for us today. He's given us everything we need. God does not leave us. He never forsakes us. He fights for us. He does things in his own way, in his own timing, right? Sovereignly, according to his own will. We don't always understand that. We don't always like that. But God always fights for his people. He's a good father. Any of us that are good fathers, good parents, we would, we would fight for our children. We want the best for them. We, we love them, right? We would sacrifice for them. God is infinitely more than that. The Lord is his name. How does he save them? Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts are cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk into the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Just think of this imagery. This is essentially a poem. It's a song. But think of the image. He shatters his, his, his enemies. When you shatter something, can you typically put it back together? We've all, we've all broken something at some point, I'm sure. And we've tried to use super glue and put it back on, especially as children. We try to really get it back on there and quietly turn it toward the corner so that no one finds out about it, right? If you shatter something, you're out of luck, right? Now you're just pointing to the dog or someone else did this, right? But if you shatter something, it's in a billion different pieces. We had a, one of those uh, glass lids for a crock pot was in the dishwasher and somehow it got shattered in the course of running the, the dishwasher. And it took us a few days to get all of those pieces out, right? There was just, I mean, just the tiniest little pieces were everywhere. It took a long time. We got it all out and ran it how many times and did everything we we're supposed to do and read the manual. And it just, I still don't have confidence. I feel like I'm swallowing glass every day, right? Because... And for those of you who were for dinner recently, it's okay. It's, it's safe, trust me. But, but when things are shattered, there's no way to put It's complete. It's done. The work is done. He shattered his enemies. His work is complete. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out fury. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. And I, I wonder if Moses and Israelites are conjuring up the image of, of Pharaoh after being told to let his people go initially, having to go out and now we're going to make your, your work even harder. So go out and find your own straw. Go find your own stubble to make bricks. And they made their, their slavery even more harsh. But God, he, in his fury, he consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters pile up. Interesting imagery, right? This was not just a, a weather phenomenon. This was God just, and that's it, right? That's how powerful he is. This is the God that we praise. And so God saves, and at the same time, he's judging his enemies. There's divine justice. We can praise him in his judgment because it's, it's one of his attributes. God divinely judges. He rightly judges those who are his enemies, those who have sinned against him. This is why we, this is why we need to praise God even more because we were enemies of God. But because of Christ, we are no longer enemies. We belong to him. We are his children. We're adopted into his family. It's a beautiful picture. Just like Israel was, was under the same curse as the Egyptians, but because of the blood of the lamb, the wrath of God, the angel of death passed over their homes. We should be incredibly grateful, thankful, pouring out our praise to God for what he saved us from. And God judges his enemies who are arrogant, who stand before him as if they are gods themselves like Pharaoh. Listen to what they say here in verses 9. Uh, yeah, verses 9 and 10. The enemy said, this is what the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. I desi my desire shall have their fill of them, meaning I will gorge on them, I will consume them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. This is, this is arrogance in the face of the living God. So this is what our enemies say, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And remember what God said back in, in uh, chapter 6 of Exodus? Chapter 6 Verses six, 
God says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. So we have, we have the enemy, we have Pharaoh, we have the Egyptians saying, I will do this. Right? I am all powerful. I'm like a God. You can't stop us. And we have God saying that he will do all these other things. And we see who wins. Right? And this is the same for today. We are up against... Um, people in places of authority, we have opposition, we have persecution, we have people that say, I will do this, I will stop you, I will injure you, I will take from you, I will slander you, I will control you. And God says, no, 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 my promises are good. All of my purposes will stand. No one can thwart his plans. And so if you read the Bible and you read the promises of God, they are good for us because they're based on who God is. He is the Lord. Not all these other people with their, I will do this and I will do that. They might try. They might even succeed for a little while. But even if they succeed in their I wills, it's only because God said, I will do this. And it conforms to his purposes and plans. You can't thwart God's plans. You can't. Everything that they thought they could do, all the arrogance as they ran down the hill and marched with their chariots. And it's amazing, right? That They, they thought they were <laughs> going to take out this group of people, this, this weak nation that they despise, that caused them all this harm. And I just picture them charging down with their swords and with this great sense of, of victory already on their, on their lips. And they're already celebrating in their minds. This is easy. This is nothing. We're going to take them. And, and I, just, I just see kind of like the whole Charlie Brown thing. I just stepping out of the way and just right, tripping right into the water and God covering over them. Such great arrogance. You can't stop the Lord. Other scriptures that remind us of this and should encourage us in this. Psalm 37, 10 through 13. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Does that, does that sound familiar? Do you remember in, in chapter 14, they were watching, they were fearing all, all the, the Egyptians coming, this whole army. And Moses said, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. That's exactly what he said. I love this. A little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. We have a father who's completely in control of all these things. Have you ever had someone so mad at you, so angry, so they just have a visceral response to your presence? And they just... They, they just kind of give you this, this thing. They just want to, they just want to do, they just want to hurt you. They want to stop you. They, they, and the Lord, don't worry about that. I will take care of them. Be like my son instead. Love your enemies. Show them grace. Show them mercy. Make the father known by acting like his son in this world. Because God's taking care of us. He's already taking care of you. He has plans for you. He, he's moving you in the direction of being home with him forever. We don't have to worry about these things. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Psalm 59, 8-10, but you laugh at them, Lord. You scoff at all those nations. You are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. I love that because, you know, the nations and all the, all the powers in this world and all the, the, the governmental um, authorities who want to pressure and push and control and, and what, whatever they're trying to do, whatever they're trying to gain for themselves, God knows this. He scoffs at them. It's nothing to him. He's truly in control. And to say, you are my strength, I watch for you. Our focus is on, is on the Lord, not on all these other things. The moment we take our eyes off of Christ and put our eyes on all the problems, those things become bigger. But it's Jesus who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that should be the focus of our attention. And when we do these things and we're in God's word, our life is just, we, we truly do have peace in this world. As much as the, the pressures will come and we will have very difficult days, God is with us. That marks us as different. We are distinct people. And so God saves and God judges righteously and God leads. If you look in verse 13, he says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You have led in your steadfast love, this covenant-keeping love, this, this, this eternally faithful love. God made promises, and he keeps those promises. 
Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the promises of God are good for you? Because God made them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. We are a redeemed people, those of us who have put our faith in Christ. We've been purchased. We've been bought. We belong to our Savior. It's the safest place to be in the world, right? And he has guided them by his strength. He's got, he guides us by his strength. We have the Holy Spirit of the living God indwelling us as believers. Sometimes you just got to sit down and think about that for a minute. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't get that. It's a bit overwhelming to think about that. The Holy Spirit of the living God, the third person of the eternal Trinity, God himself, is indwelling us as believers. It's amazing. That should give you strength for the day that God is with you. God makes his, God saves, God judges, God leads. He makes, and God makes his name known to all the peoples, to all the nations. God makes his name known. The fourth thing that we see here, the reason why we should praise him. Verse 14, the peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed, trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are as still as a stone till your people, the Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. Once again, we are redeemed, we are purchased. I love this picture of, you know, these, these mighty warriors, these, these, these real strong nations, right? They're, they're flexing in the mirror. They're, they're, they're down in some, some weight gainer. They're, they're in the gym. They're just, they're just really strong, right? They, they, look, they look the part. They have all the weapons. They, and then when guys, people pass by, they're just kind of like, nope, nothing, yep, nothing to see here. Yep, we're good. We're good. I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything to you. No, I didn't look at you. No, nope. right? They're scared of the Lord. They've, they've heard what he has done. They have a reputation now. We see this in Joshua chapter 1, actually chapter 2. When the spies are going into the land and, and Rahab is hiding the spies, what does Rahab say? <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you the land. So, so she, know, she knows. God's already done this. I know the Lord has given you the land and that the fear and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and to Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. God makes his name known. That was one of his purposes in this whole story. And he's done that. And the people, and this is a, this is a prophetic section of this poem, of this song, because this stuff hasn't even happened yet. But as they go through, you see in Deuteronomy and in Numbers and Joshua, they, they systematically go through each one of these nations and God destroys them and he removes them and he's faithful to his people. When God says something's going to happen, it's already done. It's amazing how they're, they're talking about what God has done and they're talking about what God is going to do with complete faith. Because why? Because they believe. They've seen him work. When we read God's word and we see what he has done, we can believe and have faith of what he promises he will do. God also provides, he says in verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. God provides a place for his people, the land of promise, right? Just as he provides a place for us, he's pre- Jesus has prepared a place for us in heaven. He's gone before us. And lastly, God reigns forever, a reason to praise. The Lord will reign forever and ever. God saves, he judges righteously, he leads, he makes his name known, he provides, and he reigns forever. This is just all encompassed in this one song, lifting their voices, shouting the name of the Lord, worshiping him, praising him, exalting him, glorifying him, singing to him. And that was for a, that was for a physical salvation. How much more for the salvation of our souls? For eternity, forever. Should we be worshiping our Lord? There's other instances in Scripture where there's where people just break out in song. It's kind of a interesting uh, uh, musical at times, right? We don't normally do those things, but there there are people that just break out in song. Why? Because God has done this great thing. We see this in David's song in Second Samuel 22, which which corresponds with Psalm 18. So you can go read that on your own. The song of Deborah in Judges 5. And then we even see in the New Testament an encouragement for us to be singing as part of our praise and worship to the Lord, right? This is uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see the order happening here, though. 
the word of Christ dwelling richly in us. So the word of God is in us because we are in the word of God, right? Because of that, because God's word is in us, we're doing our work, we're, we're teaching, we're admonishing, we're being God's people, right? We're, we're doing all the one another together because God's called us to do that. And we have the language because God's given it to us and we have the heart because God's given that to us and, and we're devoted to him in service. And so we're doing these things where the word of God is in us and we're, we're teaching, we're admonishing one another in all wisdom because only, the only wisdom that, that matters is God's wisdom, right? I see all these people all the time trying to be wise, trying to philosophize and think highly of things, and, and they, they just talk around in circles, and one word from God just kind of breaks, breaks all of their thinking apart, because it's just man trying to solve man's problems with more problems. But when we invoke God's wisdom and God's word into any of our issues, any of our problems, God speaks, God clarifies, he tells us what to do, he shows us a way. And so we have those things. And then what's, what's the response after that? Singing psalms and hymns. And you don't have to start singing in people's faces. I don't, I discourage that. Um, personally, I don't like, if you want to, if you want to sing to me, that's just, I'm, I'm sorry. Sing to the Lord, right? The, the heart here is that when we're together, when we're celebrating what God is doing, we, you don't have to sing it out loud. Even we see Moses later in Deuteronomy, he, he speaks a song. He doesn't necessarily sing the song. But there's, a, there's something about sharing the faithfulness of God, the praises. This is what God has done. Let me, let me tell you what God has done for me this week. Oftentimes we get together, and when we get together, how, how's, how are we doing? How's your week? Eh. Some of us say fine because we don't want to talk about it. Others of us say, eh, I don't know. It wasn't great, and here's what's going on. And Maybe we ask one another as part of our application this week, especially leading up to Christmas, as we celebrate the, the birth of our Savior, the great salvation that God has provided. Maybe we ask, what's, what's something really awesome that God, what's, what's a great praise that happened this week? Something you could point to to say, God did this. And God is faithful in this. And I know that God loves me because of this. And I, maybe we ask those questions, not just how are you? And that's, that's a good question, and we can pray for one another. But we also ask, uh, how, how's your, not just how's your prayer life, how's your praise life? How's that? How's your praise life? Oftentimes, we start talking about the things that God has done, and we start to forget all the problems that are right in front of us. Every time, every time I share my testimony with someone, it's amazing I start to share about what God has done in my life. I start to think through, you know, I'm just going through the pictures of my life and this is what God did and this is how I was saved and this was my friend who discipled me and this is the other person that discipled me. This is my, this is the, the service that I did when I was in college and this is, I start to think through my testimony, my walk, what God saved me from, what God saved me to. I start to talk about it. It encourages me. I don't know if they'll remember anything I said or if they even cared at that point, or if they were just being nice. I don't know. But I, I share my, my testimony. I'm lifted up. I'm, I remember the faithfulness of my God. It changes my day. I'm speaking forth the praises of God because of what he's done in my life. And I'm not sharing if someone, what's an amazing thing. Can you tell me, tell me about what God did in your life? Tell, tell me about how God saved you and what he did. I don't go on rabbit trails. Like, oh yeah, then God gave me this great TV one time. And, and then I was, yeah, then, I, then God gave me this thing. And then, yeah, I was really, no, we don't talk about those little manu- things that we forget, all that provision that he, he gives to us. We remember our salvation, who we were and who we are now and where we're going. That's powerful, right? That kind of praise changes things. Our testimony, our praise is evangelistic. Psalm 105 tells us this. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. So when we praise him, we're proclaiming his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. This is, this is the, the, that idea of corporate singing too. When we come in here on a Sunday morning or maybe for youth group or something else, are we really praising our Lord? If a non-believer, maybe, maybe, there's, maybe some of you this morning are, are, are seeking, you're, you don't believe yet in the Lord Jesus, and you're here just to listen and to learn. Or, but if, if a non-believer comes in this building, and they come in, and we're singing songs, and, the, and the, the youth band is up here playing, and we're all platted up and looking good, and everything's, everything's right working up here, and everyone's... When they come in and they stand in the back and they're looking for a seat and they, they stand there and they're just kind of laying out, trying to figure out what this place is and what we're doing here. And when they look at God's people, when they look at you, and they are, when they watch you, are you singing praises to the Lord? I mean, really, are you from the heart? Are you praising him? Is it an outflow of your gratitude or are you fulfilling an obligation? 
Are you just kind of like waiting for the next song? Oh, I don't like that song. Why'd they pick that song? I'm not going to sing. I'll sing a little bit. I wonder what, did I, did I leave the teapot on or did I, I think I turned the coffee pot off. I don't know. I need coffee now too. And, and now our minds are going and we're not doing anything for the Lord. We're not, why are we here? What are, what, where's our minds at? Are we distracted? And as they're watching you, do they see any joy at all? Do they see any praise at all? Are you singing in the words, but are you just mouthing them? Because that's what you're supposed to do. Or are you, without even realizing, are you smiling because of the song that is invoking this praise because the words are true and you're singing back to the Lord and you're just, there's joy in your heart. And you may have walked in here beaten down and burdened and hurt from something. And now that is just, that's set aside because we're praising our God. And we can go back into that place and back into our car and those things are still there, but now we have strength for the day. We have perspective. We have the peace of God because of Christ Jesus. Is that how we praise? If someone walked in the door, would they see that on your faces? Would they, would they see your eyes? Not because you're trying to manufacture emotion, but because it really, this is real. Salvation, it demands a song. Christ died on a cross, a gruesome death, and he, he took our sins on himself, and he was perfect and pure. Think about it. Spend time with it. Before you come to this place, get up a little bit earlier. It's not a Saturday morning where you're just trying to figure out. You're, you're coming to worship the Holy One, the God of the universe, our mighty King who saves and he, and he judges and he leads and he, he makes his name known and he provides for us always and he reigns forever and we should be submitting ourselves to him. As soon as we wake up, anticipating that we get to come and worship him together with God's, he has made a family here. That's, that's, that's amazing. Does your praise reflect this great salvation? Think about that this week. Part of our application this morning, um, I'd like, we just want to together, verbally, um, and with a little bit of video, we're going to be praising what God has done in this church. And typically we would pass, a, we, we've passed microphones around before and um, we're just not going to get into that this morning with this whole COVID world. But, um, but I, I want you, um, instead of passing the mic around and, and praising and just sharing what God has done here, like I said, I want you to spend some time as you talk to people before you leave today and as you go throughout your week, ask them what the Lord has done. Share with them what the Lord has done in your life. Share a praise with others. Sing to the Lord in your car. Sing to the Lord in your, in your living room and in your dining room. Spend time with him in singing and in praise and watch what he can do. As a church body, we have been praying for many things over the last couple of years and we've seen some significant uh, um, answers to prayer as we pray, which is fun, right? Have you ever prayed for things and then you hear back quickly, like the prayer was answered and you're a little bit surprised? Like, oh, well, I didn't know I actually could do that, right? But we pray for things here and, and God does some things. One of the things we prayed about um, when we first came to Black Forest Chapel, my wife and I and our two boys, they were a little bit, a little bit younger. It was around 2014-ish. Um, they were the only, only two boys um, of their age. We didn't, there was no... There was no youth group at all. There was there, there was really very few ministries for families and um, and for for our little ones. And so we prayed and we prayed and and now we have over forty kids on a Tuesday or on a Friday for a Christmas party. And and we're not even really all we do is pray and then we put out food. And I think that's pretty much all you got to do, right? And the Lord takes care of the rest of it. But no, it's been, it's been amazing because it's not just some ministry that we're trying to force. We prayed about it. God brought volunteers first, and they have been amazing. It's intergenerational, so we have people of all walks of life volunteering in this ministry. And then, and then the, the kids started coming, and the kids just started inviting other kids. And they, they like spending time together, and they like sitting under the teaching of God's Word and praising Him together. And so it's just fun. So we're just going to praise the Lord by... Uh, Chad's just going to share just for a moment about what's going on and show a short video, and, and then we'll come back together. Well, good morning, everyone. No need to turn around. You can watch the screen up there. Uh, this is something we're going to have two announcements in the forums of Thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you a little bit about more about the school ministry. And then Jennifer is going to discuss a little bit about missions coming up. And maybe Mike, you can help her hand a mic off the stage. Um, so upper room, that is the thing I am so thankful for. I did not know until I got involved that the prayer group that meets on Sunday mornings had been praying for a year about starting a youth ministry. And the volunteers that showed up with that 
Um, that's just such a great blessing, right? There's a few of us that actually have kids in the group. It kind of makes sense we might volunteer, but the majority don't, right? And they're just here to be part of it. So short video. Um, this is the group a couple weeks ago on the 15th. We had 44 kids in attendance, and it's grown to the point that between volunteers and the kids involved, we don't know everyone's name anymore. So we took time to go around the circle and, and everyone introduce, introduce themselves. And this night happened to be Lauren's actual birthday. We always celebrate birthdays once a month, but we took time to sing her happy birthday again. But it's just wonderful to see how God has been bringing students to be part of this ministry and volunteers to help facilitate it. And our prayer right now is given the size of the group, we kind of have to think about how we're going to manage that. And if we can try to do a middle school, high school group, or if God will lead us to something else. If you want to be encouraged, come on a Tuesday night and volunteer and be part of the student ministry. Um, it's just a great blessing. There are times where us as the adult volunteers, we show up and we might even say to each other, man, it's just been a long day and I'm tired and felt kind of like not coming tonight. And then after being with the youth group, we are energized and we see how God is working, and it's a great blessing. So that has been a wonderful thing. And also, let's hear about missions. Can I use this one? Okay. And one of the things we want to celebrate is just we have a, um, a group of missionaries that we support as a church. And hopefully you get the missionary updates and the emails, but uh, we celebrate being able to partner with those who are going out into other places that we are not and doing the work of the ministry. And so um, Jennifer's just going to share about one particular missionary who's going to be coming in in January. So, Hi, I'm Jennifer Bisher, and I'm a member of the Missions Committee. And apparently I got the plaid memo from the Holy Spirit as well this morning. <laughs> So, um, we need to change Paul, our logo, I think. Huh? We need to change our logo and put plaid on That'd there. That'd be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kirk and Paula Dunham are our missionaries that we support uh, living in um, Green River, Utah. And they are um, uh, have a massive outreach to the Mormon community there. They'll be coming to see us January 17th. So, I have a question to ask. How many of you are part of a small group or a Bible study? Do you get encouragement from sharing your life with other believers and hearing what is going on in their life as well? Well, Kirk and Paula would really appreciate that from you as well. So they will be standing up here sharing for 10 minutes, but we would love it if you would stay after service and spend some time really getting to know them and uh, just really bringing that encouragement of sharing your life and hearing what's going on in theirs. Thank you, Jennifer. And as Jennifer said, I, I think all of us feel alone sometimes. We feel like we're um, maybe not heard, not understood. Maybe people aren't praying for us. We just we just feel sometimes like we're alone. Um, many missionaries who are out in the field, they don't have um, they're they're full time working for the gospel, and they don't always have the encouragement, the support, the help that they need. And so when they're here, we want to come around them and encourage them and walk with them. And so the, the more the, of you who can stay after the service. Um, in January and just just be with them, just listen to what's going on, ask them some questions. We're also considering, um, we're going to hear from them about possibly doing a, um, a mission trip, a one-week or a short-term mission trip over to, to Green River and um, partnering with them in their ministry. So uh, be praying about that and, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. These are all things we can praise the Lord for. He's doing work here amongst his people, um, even as we go out through our missionaries. So we want to praise him for all those things. As we, as we end um, this morning and we sing one last song, I want you to consider what we're singing. We'll be singing What Child Is This? The youth band will be leading us here in a moment. And so I just want to read you three of the verses that we'll be singing. Just think about these words. And I, I'm just, I just ask that you be prayerful as we close the service. And as you sing, think about the words. Think about what your Savior has done. Think about the God of the universe coming down as a baby. I mean, just the, the mystery of that, the impossibility of that, and yet God did it for our sake. So start to consider this. Let's lead our hearts into a time of worship, um, even as we move toward Christmas Eve. So here, here's the, the song, What Child Is This? Here's the, the verses. And this proves that you can read a song. You don't have to sing it, because right? I'm not going to sing it for you. Verse 1, 
What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch or keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud or praise or acclaim or glory, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and lamb are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, golden myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the song of Moses and for the people of Israel that we can, we can read it ourselves. We can hear it. We can understand it in the context of this great salvation that you provided for your people that you caused them to walk across the sea on dry ground. You, you made the waves pile up on the sides, and they were a wall to their right and to their left, and they walked across on dry ground. It's incredible what you can do. And not only did you save your people, you judged your enemies. Thank you, Lord, for all of your attributes, for all of who you are. And we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and he made a way when there was no way. We could not save ourselves. But Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. He defeated the sting of death and the grip of sin, the bondage of sin, Lord, has been defeated. It is finished. And if we put our faith in Christ and believe that we are saved, we belong to you. So thank you, Lord, for your great salvation. As we sing now, Lord, help us, Lord. Help our hearts to be lifted to you. May you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from the Word of God. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit Black Forest Chapel in Black Forest, Colorado, near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs. You'll find biblical teaching and authentic worship in an environment that feels like family and friends. Get directions and more information at blackforestchapel.org.